Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today with us is Greg Smith. He's a Democrat in Colorado who's trying to unseat Lauren <laughs> Bobert. <laughs> the gun-toting woman in Congress who believes in QAnon conspiracy theories and is otherwise one of those spectacular members of Congress that everybody loves so much. So stick around. Greg, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Brian. Happy to be here. And when we get back, we'll jump right into it. So stick around. We'll be right back. Uh, hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, uh, Brian Karam. And uh, with us is Greg Smith, a Democrat from Colorado who's running to unseat Lauren Boebert. And I, I guess, Greg, the first thing to start out with, and you know, the title of the show is Just Ask the Question. So I got to ask you, all the headlines about you, it says, the Blackwater-connected Democrat. So what's up with the Blackwater-connected Democrat? How, how are you connected? We know, I know, but explain how you're connected to Blackwater. Yeah, I am indeed a Blackwater connected uh, Democrat. So, uh, you know, I met Eric Prince in 1997 when he was uh, really had the first uh, backhoes and, um, you know, front end loaders out in uh, the great dismal swamp of Moyoc, North Carolina. Carolina. Um, I was a former Marine. Eric was a former Navy SEAL. We were both. Semper Fi, baby. (laughs) Semper Fi. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, so, so Eric and I became friends back in 1997, and uh, yeah, I helped him sell Blackwater in 2010. I helped him set up a logistics company in Africa in 2013, and in 2015, I found out he was weaponizing aircraft and uh, doing work for uh, the Chinese government, uh, doing security work, and I went to the Department of Justice, I went to the Department of State, and um, haven't seen Eric for five years. It was a pretty, pretty rough uh, parting of ways. That's I, I bet it was. Were you surprised when you found, I guess you were, I mean, that's not something that you would anticipate a business partner would be doing, I suppose. Uh, you know, so surprised isn't the right word because those of us that have worked with Eric for as long as I did, we used to say with, with some amount of irony that Eric's going to have 10 ideas. Nine of them are going to be horrific. And we've got to figure out the one good idea where we can make some money and do it in the right way. But what we didn't always realize is that even though we told Eric he couldn't do those nine other things, he was going to do them anyways. So I thought we had some ISR, some intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft. And I found out Eric had been taking him to his factory up in Austria and uh, putting arms on them. So, uh, you know, it, it completely weaponized them. They, they were very nice light attack aircraft. Wow. So uh, you were a whistleblower? Uh, yeah, no, not technically because I didn't work for the government, but yeah, absolutely. I blew the whistle. And you, you know what I, what I find interesting right now, Brian, is 
you know, John Carlin, who is the number two uh, in the uh, Department of Justice right now that Biden just brought back in, he is the person that we went to back in 2000, I guess it was early 2016, wow. and said, hey, here is a pile of documents, literally a thousand pages of documents on weaponizing these aircraft and other things. Would you like them? And the response we got back from the DOJ back in 2016 was, you know what, we don't wanna deal with that during the election. We'll deal with that after the election. Wow. And guess what happened after the election? Nothing. Yeah, well, be because, you know, John Carlin and the folks at the DOJ thought they were still gonna be in charge. And then it turned to be Jeff Sessions. And then it turned to be Eric Prince's attorney's best friend, Bill Barr. I mean, Victoria Townsend and Joe- uh, So nothing's been done. Well, there was a very active investigation throughout the time Sessions was there. Um, but I think what happened, it, what it appeared to me based on the communications I was getting from the FBI is that investigation got shut down by Bill Barr about 18 months ago. And Another I'm very hopeful to, yeah, yeah, big shock. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm hopeful to see it reactivated here quite soon. Well, and Eric Prince, of course, in case you don't know, has, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure you do, but there are others who don't know his, his ties to Betsy DeVos and, and, uh, well, his ties, it's, it's his sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are heavy ties. <laughs> um, and then of course, uh, you, you were served in Marines. Where'd you serve? I find uh, that you know, I mostly was second battalion, six Marines weapons company out of Camp Lejeune. You know, most notably, I, I deployed to Beirut twice in 1983. Uh, you know, one, I was over there during the embassy bombing in April of 83. And then I was on one of the first uh, C-141s back on October 23rd uh, to help dig out my brothers, yeah. Mm. But well, the real question is, did you enjoy Lebanese food? Man, I, I love, I, I <laughs> right. love Lebanon. I, I do I, too. I, and even though when I was there, the city was shot to hell, the Israelis were there. Hezbollah was there. It was a mess. Uh, the people were so fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of the except for the ones trying to kill us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can get that in the United States. So <laughs> you, you could get that at the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got that on January sixth, and I, I'll tell you, that's I've covered a lot of wars, and um, I and 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 insurrections and uh, riots. And uh, went on the with America's Most Wanted was on the hunt for Pablo Escobar, and those are all unsafe situations. Um, but I never felt uh, as unsafe as I did on the Capitol on January sixth. Honestly, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm exactly where you are, Brian. I've been all over the world. I I I've been in uh, Kinshasa during riots. I've been in Lagos during riots. I've been in Nairobi during riots, and I've never felt as unsafe, unsafe for the folks I was watching right. on January sixth as I did. I, I that that was that was utterly despicable. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to let's get back to you. Uh, so Marine and uh, one of the knocks against you, according to the is that you, you're not really from Colorado. And so by gum, you shouldn't be running. Uh, right. What do you tell people when they say that to you? Yeah, you know, I first bought property here in 2008. Uh, a nice, nice house, by the way. I, uh... Well, not this property. I just bought this one in July. Uh, so I had another ranch uh, up on um, uh, the summit Grand County border. Uh, oh, since yeah. 2008. I've had a residence there since 2015. We just happened to move into Lauren Bobert's district in July when we bought, we sold that ranch and bought another one. 
So, you know, I've been here for 13 years and um, uh, I moved into Lauren Boebert's district and she's my congresswoman as much as she's anybody's congresswoman. Yeah. I want her gone. Why do you want her gone? Well, you know, first off, her position. I know why I would, but I'd like to hear. No, no, no. I want to be clear about this because she won this district by six points. Yeah. So she's got a lot of supporters here. And the fact is, you know, her positions are outlandish. She's a QAnon believer or whatever you call people believing QAnon. But uh, her actions on um, January 5th and 6th, uh, we can't stand for that. We cannot have a congresswoman or someone representing us that would number one, give a tour of the Capitol to folks who likely, and we're gonna find out because the FBI is investigating, who likely stormed the Capitol the next day. And sure as hell, while the insurrection was going on, while terrorists were looking to find Nancy Pelosi, our Speaker of the House, she was live tweeting the Speaker's location. That's treacherous. So- Well, that's illegal, I, I would suspect. That's simple. Yeah. And I, I suspect she's going to be indicted. Uh, I have a great deal of faith in our FBI. Um, I know some folks at the uh, field office there in DC and they're gonna get their job done. And I can't, it was interesting. Let me know if I'm going too deep, but uh, Lauren, had, Lauren had a uh, virtual town hall earlier this week <clears throat> or late last week. I can't remember, it might've been Friday. And someone called in and asked her, have you been contacted by the FBI yet? And she literally hung up the phone on them. Wow. And I know she's been contacted by them. I, I guess that would be a yes. <laughs> no, I'll, take, I'll, take that, I'll take that as yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and since I know the, and look, the, the common reaction when you ask the FDF, we can either confirm or deny that we've done anything. If we can, we, I've used that one myself in court a few times. Going, look, I can <laughs> confirm or deny nothing. But, um, I, that's their usual bill of fare. But at the same time, I don't think there's any doubt that to be thorough, they're going to be contacting her if they haven't already. So I, 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 sure. I get that part of it. She, but her stance is what has endeared her. What do you think is going to be your greatest, um, uh, greatest thing to overcome in defeating her? Let's start with your democratic opponents. Who you, well, who, how do you think that's going to no, how do you think that's going to go? Well, I, I have a little bit of an uphill battle going with my Democratic of, uh, opponents because I'm not a um, establishment Democrat. I mean, I never thought I'd run for office. Um, it, it, it was not in my long term life goals to be a U.S. Congress uh, congressman. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it because I think it's the right thing to do right now. And I, I believe that I'm one of the few people who can actually win this district. So we're going to have. I well, I think one of the I think one of the things that's going to help me carry the day is my veteran status. You know, I can walk into a VFW hall, an American Legion hall, and I can talk to friends. I can talk to people who have a very shared background that I that that I do, and we can talk about why you thought Lauren Boebert was the right candidate for you in 2020, but she should not be the right candidate in 2022 for you. So we can have those discussions, and it was close enough. You know, we're not a huge district. Uh, there's only 800,000 voters and she won by uh, 30,000 votes. So that's really flipping 15,001 votes. And, you know, I think we can do that. Um, now, part but, of the problem with, you, but with the Democrats, you are going to be battling progressives, not many conservatives in that district, uh, Democrats, or at least what would be considered conservative. 
so how are you going to battle the progressives? The, the, I mean, it seems today that on, in both parties, the extremes are the ones who get the, the notice, far right and far left. Being in the middle, more difficult. Well, yeah, it's just, it, well, it is. It's going to be a little bit problematic because, you know, even I look at the Twitter trolling and I try not to, but, but the progressives want a pure progressive candidate. And anyone who lives out here in this district knows that is not going to work out here. So even uh, Diane Mitch Bush, who ran twice and lost, she didn't run as a progressive. She, she ran about as close to the center as she could and still get the nomination. Right. And, and then she tried to even move a little you know, f- further right. And uh, I think you got to be true to yourself. So uh, if, if the uh, progressive wing of our party wants to blow this up, they're going to push it really hard to try to get someone progressive to run here, but it's not going to work. You're just not going to get the voters in this very, very rural district. It's just not going to happen. So you're going to have to have someone that's going to run close to the center. And frankly, even the Dems that have jumped in so far, um, uh, my opponents uh, in, the, in the primary, they're pretty middle of the road. Uh, you know, most folks are pretty pro Second Amendment. Yes, I can tell you are by the the guns behind you in your bed. <laughs> oh, but hang on, there's a reason for those. I live in Custer County. Those and, are the guns that got, those are the guns that got Custer killed. Those are Springfield eighteen seventy. I was going to say it looks like a Springfield back there, but That's I, I Springfield eighteen seventy three. Try to reload one of those on a horseback, running for your life. Yeah, no, not going to happen. <laughs> not not fast anyway. Not fast enough. Yeah, so those, um, uh, and that's what Custer said. Yeah, that's yeah, that may have been his last words. Damn, not fast enough. <laughs> Should have had the Winchester 1873. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've got one of those. Uh, so my my question to you is, you've jumped in early. You do have some Democratic support in D.C. for your right. what? What separates you from the pack? Well, what separates me from the pack is my ability to really uh, communicate with uh, my fellow veterans out here. Uh, I think that will absolutely. And the other part is I'm not pushing a position per se. I'm completely on board with the Democratic platform, except where they are in 2A. But I'm really, let's get back to being rational. Let's get back to decorum. Let's not be attacking each other, because that's not going to win you this district. Right. And the other thing is, you know, I'm like most of the other folks that choose to live in Western Colorado. I want a functioning government. I want one that gives me a hand, but not a handout. And I need the infrastructure to allow me to live my life without being bothered. That's what we want out here in Western Colorado. And that's not a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. It's who we are. So on the issues of abortion, where do you fall there? I'm pro-choice. And on the issue of uh, uh, leopard alien, or no, wait a minute, let me get it right. Uh, Reptilian aliens uh, running the government uh, as the QAnon supporters, you you down with that or you think that's not true? Well, no, I'm good with that, but I've got to get my laser. I don't know where (laughs) I get that laser they were talking about. Uh, As long as I get my laser. (laughs) Then then of course, there's also the uh, cannibal pizza sex thing that's going on that, that they pushed. I don't know. How did a QAnon supporter even, I mean, there can't be that many QAnon supporters, even in Western Colorado. What is it that got her elected? Well, I'm going to tell you what got her elected. What got her elected is she ran away from the establishment. Uh, right? So Scott Tipton, 
uh, kind of middle of the road Republican. He was establishment Republican. Diane Mitch Bush, who she ran against in the general election, it's an establishment Democrat. So she ran against the establishment. She said, I'm gonna fight for you. None of these people have. You're the forgotten people out here in Western Colorado. I'm gonna fight for you. And that's what won her the election, it truly is. And then, you know, the Donald Trump tailwinds out here that she was able to tuck in behind were pretty strong. I mean, this was a pretty MAGA district. Well, that's, and, and, but I don't think it, from what I, and I mean, I stopped part of the, I did a documentary on the uh, uh, coronavirus um, epidemic and its beginnings. And I was out in, in your neck of the woods talking with people. And while they may have supported the idea of Donald Trump, the more you drilled down on who he was, the less enamored of him they were. Uh, so when you talk, and I remember talking to a shopkeeper and he said, look, I, I just, I want to get along with my neighbor. I'm not here to fight him or kill them. Uh, so how do you make, how are you going to convince people that, um, and I, I mean, I don't think you have to convince them to love the, your neighbor, but how do you convince them that what you stand for is what they need? It is really just getting out. I live here, right? I'm here every day. I just came back. I say you take the dog with you. That's yeah. <laughs> that's the sweetest animal that's ever lived. That one back there. Um, uh, you know, when you're here every day, we wave at every car that goes by on our road. When you're driving, you wave all three at or four of them. Well, exactly. And the reason people always say, "Well, that's kind of hokey," right? But we huh. do that out west. The reason you do that is because that person very well may save your life in, in an hour or two hours, depending on the situation, right? right? So we wanna make sure that we're neighborly. We are neighborly out here. But, but the reason I'm gonna win this race, this particular race is that I'm not establishment. And people right. know I'm gonna go in and talk about the issues, not the issues that, that the DCCC uh, or anyone else puts in front of me, but that the issues that are relevant to us out here. And I got to tell you, whether it's um, Republican or Democrat, we agree on about 90% of the issues. Yes. You know, we're going to split on the fracking issue in the oil and gas leases on public land. We'll split on that issue. But for the most part, you know, we agree. We need better health care out in the rural areas, right? right? We need better infrastructure in terms of Wi-Fi so we can do some virtual learning and that type of stuff. And we have a great deal of food security, insecurity out here, too. I mean, the local pantry is as busy as any place, um, you know, on the Western Slope or out here in the rural areas. So we agree on most issues out here, Democrats and Republicans. And then we just got to make sure we don't fracture each other on the issues we don't agree on. When we come back uh, from the break, we'll talk about some of those issues and where you think uh, it needs to go and how you would work and play well with others in D.C. So stick around. We'll be right back. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one, I, I don't mind doing. If <laughs> I actually have actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not. Maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I, I've never actually seen a mouth water. 
Oh, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code question into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. You know, Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It, it's actually a, a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks. Guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. And with me, of course, is Greg Smith, who's running against, or running to, if he can get the Democratic nomination, to unseat Lauren Boebert in Western Colorado. And if you don't know who Boebert is, I ain't going to tell you, but look it up under QAnon Nut. Uh, <laughs> that's my editorial comment. You don't have to say that. Um, one of the things uh, that the knock against you is, that, Greg, is that you're, uh, you're unknown in Colorado. And uh, they're wondering if you're a, you know, in fact, there's this one article is wondering if you're a real person or a Twitter bot. So right. you, you've got some, you've got some things to overcome there. And you said it's getting out to do it uh, and, and, and going to, you know, just getting out in public, of course, is a big part of it. But when you get out in, in front of uh, the public and you're running, what issues, and, and you're telling them that you're anti-establishment, you tell them that you're there for them and, and you're there to get along and, and to work along. What issues do you want to push? What is the most important issue to you personally that you want to represent the people on in Colorado when you come to DC? Yeah, I, the most important issue to me right now, uh, given where we are in the pandemic, given where we are in the uh, uh, unemployment cycle, it, it is uh, food insecurity. Uh, that is the most important issue. And I think we have to address that uh, across. What do you mean by that in Western Colorado, food, in, food insecurity? Having enough, enough money to buy the food to feed your family. I mean, it's really, that comes down to, it's that simple. Um, in, in making sure that all of our folks are, are getting, uh, getting meals. And uh, as we used to say, getting three squares a day. Um, really? And it, it's not happening out here. Um, uh, we've got great neighbors. We've got great local pantries that help out. Um, but uh, the food insecurity is a, it's, it's a real issue out here. And if you have to kind of prioritize things, let's make sure that we get the basics done first, right? You know, um, stop the bleeding, start the breathing. Uh, so to me, the number one issue right now, it's getting people back to work, but you, we got to get them back to work. We, we've got to get the economy moving again because of food insecurity. So Boward has, you know, hasn't been there that long and you're very early into the race and um, sometimes that helps, sometimes that hurts, um, but you do have some support here in DC for your, for your, uh, for your candidacy. What's your next step? Where, where are you going to, what, what do you think are the first steps in, in your candidacy and where do you want to be six months from now? Well, I don't know that we have six months, Brian. I, I, I think Lauren Boebert's going to be indicted. And uh, I think they're going to call a special election. 
And really? I think, I think there will be a special election in Colorado three before the end of 2021. Um, that's the way it's got to run. So I'm planning not for the primary next June. I'm planning for a special election, however it plays itself out this fall. Okay. Wow. So, so let's just talk about that time frame. Yeah, let's so, talk about that. That why do you think that? Because of, of what she did during the insurrection? Absolutely. What she did during the insurrection, I think it's an indictable offense. Uh, I think the U.S. attorney in Washington isn't going to be playing games. And um, I think there's going to be a grand jury that's going to indict her. I flat out believe that. So, so go ahead. So I'm planning. Th that's my time frame. So when people say, why did you jump in so early? I'm like, so I don't think she's going to be a congresswoman uh, <laughs> for two years. I think she'll be wearing bracelets. <laughs> we, we, we have the Florence Supermax, but I don't think we'll send her there. <laughs> well, what's the, when I've run into her on Capitol Hill on a couple of occasions, uh, found her indifferent to questioning and to me amusing in her ignorance um, of, of issues. I, I don't understand how you get to be, well, look, uh, <clears throat> nothing would surprise me anymore after four years of covering Trump, but I, I am surprised that people in Western Colorado would elect someone who doesn't seem to understand the basic issues before them, or even how government operates, which I find that she's not quite, quite sure of to begin with, but she does love carrying a gun. Um, so, I, I mean, how do you attack that type of ignorance? I think the way you attack that ignorance is with education, the way you do anything else. And that's the other reason you have to get in this campaign early. We've got a lot of mileage to cover. We've got a lot of places to go and a lot of people to talk to. And most of the voters out here are pretty well educated on the issues that are important to them. Okay. So what Lauren Boebert was doing, she, she was just feeding back to them what they wanted to hear without her actually understanding the issues. It's Give me an example of that. Well, it's an easy game to play because, you know, her, mo her best refrain, what, what got her the most support was, that's just the liberals in Denver coming for your guns, coming for your land, coming for your oil. That's literally what you hear her say just about any press release. It's just the liberals in Denver coming to take over, you know, Western Colorado. And that plays well out here in Western Colorado. It really does. And she knew that. It's, you know, it's like Donald Trump and his stupid, uh, um, you know, themes about immigration. Right. And build the wall. News, fake news. Build the wall. Stop so, the so steal. So what, she, what she screams is, it's the liberals in Denver coming for you. Uh, my question is, you know, I've heard that argument now. And look, I, I confess I'm a, you know, a, I'm a certified old fart. Uh, my first election uh, I voted in was in <laughs> 1980 with Ronald Reagan. The same with you. That was my first election as <laughs> yeah. well. And I've been hearing the liberals are coming for your guns for the last 40 years, and they've never gotten them. <laughs> so I don't know how that continues. How do you how do you combat that kind of lunacy? That you know, the liberals are coming for your guns. People own more guns now than they ever did. Well, yeah, and how, you know, how do I combat that lunacy? Yeah. I mean, you know, if I'm at a VFW hall or an ag hall, do I look like the guy that's coming for your gun? Or do I look <laughs> like the guy that wants to go to the range with you? I mean, which one? I can help you sight it in. I can help you find zero. But I'm not taking your gun. 
I can still strip it and clean it and put it back together and shoot it. (laughs) Blindfolded. Um, So uh, that's how that's how I combat that. And, you know, frankly, I think that's the way any Democrat that's going to run in this district is going to combat it. But that's what she does. And it puts enough fear in you when you hear the echo of the entire Republican Party behind her saying, yes, they're coming for your guns. They're coming for your guns. Uh, they're taking away everything from you. It's going to be uh, AOC socialism. Bernie Sanders is coming. Oh, no. You know, they're coming from the East Coast. You know, those people from California are coming. They're not coming. They don't want to live out here out West. We're all good. <laughs> yeah, that's Well, uh, so how do you stand on, on like, uh, um, assault weapons? One of the biggest issues in D.C. is banning assault weapons, which we had a, a ban on for a while and then it expired. Well, we had kind of a ban, yeah. uh, you know, because you could buy pre-ban assault weapons still. So there was never a real ban converters. You could always get the converters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, no, I am not in favor of a ban on assault weapons either. I, I am. I am in favor of this to doing this with the gun laws. I think every gun transferred in America needs to be subject to a background check. So, you know, we call it the gun show loophole. It's way more than that. It's basically yeah. intrastate um, transfer loophole. So if two people are transferring anything in the state, you, you don't need a background check. So I think every gun transferred in America should be subject to a background check. It's not that big of a hassle. It can be done fairly quickly and it costs 30 bucks. Right. And the, well, and I'll go you one better. I mean, I did a investigative series years ago in texas and it they couldn't even enforce before you want to put additional uh, legislation in place they couldn't enforce what was already there because there's like two atf agents in san antonio texas for like three or four hundred you know registered gun dealers so they couldn't possibly police it and so i was always wondering you could pass whatever you want, but if you don't have the people there to police it, really doesn't matter what you pass. People were getting guns no matter how they wanted. Right, and, right, and that could happen. And even right now, so it used to be if you go in to buy a gun, you could literally get a background check done within thirty minutes. You right, know, you basically go over to the soda machine, get your soda, you come back, wait at the counter, and then you pick up your gun. Um, right now, out here in Colorado, it's about three or four days, so it's it's backed up. But that just tells you the demand for gun. Is from the lobby hard. of people saying they're coming for your guns they're coming for your guns so uh, yeah well yeah I, I, there, I have a friend of mine who has stockpiled enough weaponry that he could you know he, he could get a whole division you know <laughs> he, he could weaponize a division if he wanted to i i've been in his base and i go what do you need all these damn guns for and i go you can't be hunting that much <laughs> but uh so but how are you going to be able to deal with Democratic leadership and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party who doesn't agree with you on that issue? Yeah, well, I do think uh, so. So I've got some great uh, Democratic strategists and media folks working with me already in the short 10 days that I've been at this. Uh, and they'll give me a hand. And I know other folks that, that we'll go talk to. But, but, but I truly believe that the leadership understands that if you want to win a district like Colorado 3, you, you are not going to do it by taking away people's guns and saying, you know, the Beto O'Rourke is a big reason that Lauren Boebert exists, right? Yes. So, so when Beto O'Rourke was down in Texas saying, damn right, we're coming for your guns. You got to remember, he came here and gave a speech in Denver. And that's where Lauren Boebert got herself famous. 
She got in her little truck or whatever the hell she had, drove in here from Rifle, drove into Denver and said, you're never taking our guns, Beto. And that's what started making her famous. Right. So, so uh, the leadership understands that this district is not like the districts around Denver. They understand that. The leadership does. I, whether, I don't... whether the rank and file progressive Democrats understand that, we'll find out. Yeah, you're going to have to be able to, you know, and politics being the art of half a loaf. I mean, Republicans have treated politics over the last 30 years as a zero-sum game. I win, you lose. I win, you lose. Whereas those who are remarkably more intelligent, uh, although not necessarily as successful, <laughs> uh, realize that it's an art of half a loaf and getting along with one another. But how do you get along with, how would you get along with AOC and some of the other very progressive uh, ends of the Democratic Party? Well, well, there's some, you know, part of, and you talked about this earlier, why does Greg Smith have support from Washington, D.C. Yeah. and the East Coast in New York City? Well, I worked in New York for 10 years. Uh, I used to get on that subway every day. And that was one of the great experiences. No, I actually loved it <laughs> because uh, coming from a small rural city in Michigan, a rural town in Michigan where I grew up, when you hop on the New York City subway, you know, when you're going from uh, Grand Central to uh, lower Manhattan and you get on there, that is just a melting pot of humanity. Well, and more than humanity, it's the only place I've ever been. <laughs> I've, I've never been into a subway system anywhere else where I sat down and then the seat next to me was a rat eating a pizza. But that's... that's I never <laughs> sat down on the subway. I was just <laughs> never that's sat a down. smart man. Yeah, smart yeah. man. <laughs> I don't care if it was empty. I was standing. Yeah, but, but in any event, so, you know, I, I look at AOC's policies and what she's pushing for um, and... What she's saying makes sense in a lot right. of ways, but it's a half a loaf again. If you try to jam everything down everyone's throat, you're going to end up with a red blue split and we're going to end up where we are. And at some point, and I said this uh, yesterday, some folks I was talking to, you can't overplay your hand. And I understand when you have the power, you want to get this done right now, because this is your one opportunity to do it. But, you know, so I'm going to look at some of the things they're trying to do, for instance, with climate change. So I have to go talk to some of my friends in the oil gas industry. I've got to uh, get into Denver and talk to them about what the hell's going on on our public lands. So I get that. OK, but uh, if we're talking about universal health care, that's something I can get completely behind. Right. right. So if, if we're talking about increasing the access to quality education, I can get behind that immediately, right? If I can say we need to look at these student loans and what the hell's been going on with our higher education institutions that have been basically pushing uh, crack through the system in terms of inviting everyone to come in that, and take these loans, I mean, that's madness. We have to address those things. So some of the things that AOC and Bernie and those are talking about, I, I, we, we can discuss and they're relevant to my folks out here. And other things I'm gonna say, you do know you what? Think, do you think you should forgive student loan debt? I don't think we should. Um, I, I think it has to be addressed. I don't think it should be forgiven. How would you address it? You know, I, I don't really know yet. Uh, you know, part of the way I think we need to address it is th that um, we need to have better access to these schools going forward for everybody. And frankly, if it's a public institution, Taking, taking public tax money, I'm not sure that they shouldn't be free. Um, so you, you think free education through like community college or college is, is doable? I'm pondering it, I, but no, I think it's absolutely doable. I think it's doable. 
Yeah. I haven't figured out how to do it, but I do think that can get done. But I don't know about uh, just and what about climate change washing away was it two or three trillion dollars student debt? <laughs> they could take mine, I'd be happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about climate change? Well, I, you know, I, I, I believe that the fact that there's climate change is to me that's settled science. And we've got to address well, it. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, well, you gotta remember what human know. being. <laughs> <That's> uh, <no>. <laughs> 40% <laughs> okay. of us don't believe that apparently. Okay, right? that's it, right. <laughs> well, let's not talk about the QAnon supporters for a okay. second. <laughs> let's, let's talk about reality. Q climate change is settled. That's it's it's done. That's a that that's that ship has long sailed. How do you address it? What do you think needs to be done to address the problems brought about by climate change or, you know, the old saying that nobody wanted to remember, global warming. Uh, I mean, I, I, I take it you're not going to be the guy walking into Congress with a snowball going, hey, there's no such thing as global warming. Uh, so how would you deal with it? Well, you know, one of the things we have got to basically completely eliminate our reliance on fossil fuels. And like I said, I've got to go talk to some friends in Denver at some point and talk to them about uh, the oil and gas and the fracking situation here in Western Colorado. Uh, that's got to be addressed. But it's, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be the same as it was with, with the coal workers. You know, at, at some point, our reliance on that is, is going to have to go away. And we're going to have to be, be, be we're going to have to get better sources of energy. So, in, uh, you would have to then, then you would be on board with supporting re-educating uh, uh, workers to work in the new global climate, right? And that would be, so the workers who are working in oil and, um, and coal, if we transfer to solar and other means of, of providing energy, you would be down with, uh, you've already said you're down with some free education, but re-educating workers so they could be uh, productive in a new environment. Yeah, we absolutely, we have to do that. But in order to get that done out of here, Brian, is I talked earlier about that infrastructure. What in order, an infrastructure? We don't have infrastructure out here to support that type of education right now, right? So we've got to build an infrastructure that allows us to, and it then allows those people to work in the 21st century uh, job force, right? So right. if we're not, you know, it's it's great for uh, for um, for Musk and all those guys in Palo Alto and Silicon Valley and everything they have. But fr frankly, we've got a lot of good people out here in um, in rural Colorado. But there's no way they can work in that environment. You know, uh, you can work virtually. My wife can work virtually. You can't work virtually out in Mesa County. You right. Know? Well, you can't work virtually if you're in, in manufacturing. I don't know. You know that's, that's, you, you're going to have to work. You can't work virtually if you're a, a waiter. You can't right. work virtually if you're in uh, you know, groceries or, or, you know, selling cars or there's just new. Well, some of the, some of that you can. Some of it you can, but some for the it, most part, yeah. But we have to train people how to do that because even if there's a virtual car dealer, and there are right. many of those right now, right? You have to, there's still people behind the scenes making those things happen. They right. just have to be sitting in their bedrooms. Yeah, we, yeah. As long we as we have to right. educate them and give them an infrastructure to sit in their bedrooms and work. And so what, what would be your priority from day one as congressman? Well, my priority for day one, you know, and I already talked about food insecurity, which to me right. is the hot button. And that goes along with the economy, getting the economy going back in the unemployment. But my real, the real priority, and why is Greg Smith running for Congress? 
is we've got to bring decorum and some rationality back to the 435 members of the US Congress that sit there every day and decide our fate. And right now, nothing is getting done because there is no center. So I'll be left center, but I'll be center. So, you know, put aside the, 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 the priority of getting- You would, consider yourself, you would consider yourself left center? Yeah, I said left center. Yeah, but you know, but there are those who would consider you right of center <clears throat> simply because you believe in you know gun rights. Right, and those are single issue people that, that that need to broaden their horizon and think about: Do you want a Democrat representing you in uh, Colorado three, or do you want Lauren Boebert? Because there's more Lauren Boeberts out there. There are. <laughs> yeah, and there's a good chance they're going to be your representative. So right. you can look at someone like me and say, you know what? I agree with that guy on 90% of the issues. I disagree with them on 10. Or you can say, I disagree with everything that that person says. Right. Or, or you know, I, I'm not with the, I'm not down with the reptilian aliens running Congress. I'm just not. <laughs> so, but when we, and I, I poke fun at it a lot because honestly, when I talk to QAnon supporters a, after about 30 seconds, I can't help but start laughing because it's so asinine. But one of the things that I have heard, and it's not just from them, but it's that um, if you're a member of the military, then you understand how the right thinks, that the members of the military are uh, God and country. And uh, But then again, at the same time, I've talked to many members, ex-military members, who, for example, find the protest that happened on January 6th, the riots and the insurrection, uh, horribly anti-American, and that taking a knee at, at an NFL football game is American. So where do you fall on, on the idea of protest against government and what happened January 6th versus what Colin Kaepernick did? So what Colin Kaepernick has done, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And he ought to be admired for a lot of what he's done is he has stood up in the face of powerful forces against systematic racial injustice that's went on in America since 1776, uh, even before then. Right. Um, so uh, Colin Kaepernick's form of protest is admirable and it's what I fought for as a Marine. It's what the oath I took for as part of the rights that you have as an American. You have the ability to peacefully protest, completely on board with that. What happened at the Capitol on January 6th was a domestic attack trying to overthrow our government. That is the worst attack I've personally seen. So I'm about your age. I've been around since a little baby when, there was, when Kennedy was president. Yeah. But I've been around a long time. I have never seen an attack that was such a threat on our democracy as I saw on January 6th. And as you know, I was ground zero on 9-11. Yeah. I was a Marine in Beirut. Uh, I've been around, and that was the most egregious attack on our democracy ever. And Boebert supports the big lie and believes that Donald Trump got screwed out of the election. What do you tell your supporters? What do you tell the people in your district? What do you tell the people in your state when she's promoting that big lie? How do you, what do you tell people? You know, one of the things I would I would have to ask someone who brought that up, you know, the election was stolen from us. Donald Trump won. I'm like, well, did you steal the election from the Democrats here in Colorado three? Were the were, were the were the votes counted 
out in Grand Junction. Was someone fiddling with those computers? Right. How, how did Lauren Boebert win by 20,000 votes in Grand Junction? Did you steal the election? You know, well, no, I didn't steal the election. Well, then, then I need to look at your computer. So I would just actually turn it back on them, right? Especially here in Colorado, three where I can. So who stole which election, right? Right. Well, and what I, you know, the first thing I ask people is, and I have gotten on January 6th, I asked this maybe 40 times. And the answer was always no. And here was the question. I understand you believe that the election was stolen. Did you vote in the November election? Oh my. And overwhelmingly, those insurrectionists said no. A lot of them didn't even vote. I don't trust the. I mean, I don't even know how you go with that logic. So that's, it seems so illogical to me. All right, we're going to take a short break. Well, I'll, I'll ask you one question before we go, one other question before we go to break. You live in Colorado, dude. <laughs> Legal marijuana. You think it should be a nationwide? Yes. Well, we're going to have to share a smoke. All right. Well, <laughs> well we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Tomaha <laughs> Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together. For a delicious holiday feast. Okay. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it, it's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar. And you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast, for all the updates your little heart could desire. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. And, of course, with me is Greg Smith, who's running against or hoping to unseat Lauren Bobert in the wonderful uh, Colorado, West, Western Colorado, District 3, correct? District 3, yes. And so one of the things I like to do in this show is just in, uh, get to know people a little bit better, and we always take the last, uh, the last segment uh, for that. So I, I already asked you about marijuana, so I want to have to go down there. Uh, but I will ask you about, uh, and I want to ask you about Coors, because, you know, that's, that's a Colorado tradition. But uh, if you're sitting down today and you're going to play uh, music, who would you be listening to? Well, you know, I probably have on Y2K um, on my Sirius in the truck. Uh, I, I love listening to some Kenny Chesney. Uh, and I know he's not a big person on the left, but I love some Toby Keith. <laughs> and, um, so country music. Uh, and Springsteen. And so, uh, and Springsteen. You know, he just got picked up for a DWI. Did you hear about Bruce that? Did? Yeah, in, in well, actually, it was in November. They were reporting that he got caught on public land. He was. They said he was very cooperative. I can't imagine the boss would be anything but. But oh, and, yeah, no. I the, the concerts that I go out of my way to get to were always Springsteen concerts. So yeah, what's your favorite? What was your first concert? Sticks. Really. Nineteen seventy-seven wow. at the County Fair. No kidding. Sticks. Yeah. Yeah. What was? What's your favorite concert? 
uh, any Springsteen concert, but you know, I, you know, I'm a Michigan, I grew up in Michigan. Right. So you know, give me some Bob Seger and I'll be a really happy dude too. <laughs> Night moves. That was uh, uh, and Bob Seger. Yeah. I, that was one of my favorite growing up was night moves. It was and again, not a favorite of the, uh, the my democratic friends, but, uh, a neighbor of mine growing up was Ted Nugent. Uh, Motor, Motor City Madman. I can listen to his music. He's a little bit nuts. But... No, he's insane. He's <laughs> yeah, completely he's, insane. He's he's definitely on that end of the spectrum. Yeah, but you know, I grew up as a Led Zeppelin. You know, a Led Zeppelin guy growing up and all that. Oh thing. yeah. What, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin album? You know, it's actually in Through the Outdoor. Oh wow, seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. It's a good album. Well, it's just when we were in high school, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was I, I remember that well. When I, and then my first year in college, that was uh, that was big then. All of my love and all of my love. Yeah, the day John Bonham died was crushing to me. Much yeah, I remember. Yeah, much yeah, worse man. than Lennon. And I'm sorry, Lennon. Much worse than when Lennon died. For really? Me because I was a huge Zeppelin. You know, Zeppelin. So, do you remember where you were when John died? When Lennon got killed? I don't. I, that was 1981, right? Nine, December 8th, 1980. 1980. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I, I don't remember where I was when Lennon died. And I, uh, like two and a half years earlier, it was uh, Elvis. And I remember I was at a TGNY <laughs> and they were playing. And I, I never, my dad and my mother, of course, were big Elvis fans, but I was uh, Beatles, Stones, Who, Led Zeppelin. That was That was, that was my era. The, the, the cars. Family, oh, yeah. You're all coming out back yeah. then, yeah. Tom Petty, I think. I remember when he first came out, they thought he was, uh, they kept calling him New Wave. And I go, he sounds like old rock and roll to me. Bro. I love Tom Petty. I mean, you know, we didn't talk about it, but the opioid ep epidemic, you know, losing Prince and Tom Petty. And, you know, we've lost a fair amount of friends to that. Uh, and that's something that needs to be addressed that has not been addressed over the last really dozen years. Well, how would you like to address that in Congress or can you? Well, you, you can, you know, one of the things uh, we've got to cut off the supply coming up from the borders from both China and from Mexico of uh, synthetic fentanyl. Um, right. It can be done. Uh, yeah. I, I, my son lost a good friend of his recently to uh, fentanyl and uh, he thought he was getting heroin and he got fentanyl and he died like a half hour after ingesting it just gone. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a, that is a uh, crisis that we don't speak about enough in America, and it's going on here in Colorado. It's a 4X in Colorado in the last couple of years. And uh, we've got to address it more, but we've got to address it a little better in the rehab facilities as well. Um, uh, you know, so, so folks that are using, so, so we, we can get them in a better place in their lives. Um, so, so we don't have them running that risk every day of killing themselves. How do you deal with the demand? Because the real problem is there's, the reason why there's a supply is because there's a demand. Well, you know, part of the demand is part of the reason that Lauren Boebert is in Congress and it's people feeling like there's nothing for them anymore, right? So it's really feel, people feeling despair and there's nothing for me and kind of, I don't know if I should say, but fuck it, you know? No, uh, say it. Yeah, I just need to feel better. And, uh, you know, so, so we've got to give our, uh, especially our young people, healthier alternatives. And I'm not talking alternatives within drugs. I'm talking about alternatives about how their lives are going to run. Because when you and I were growing up, we always thought we were going to do better than our parents. Yes. Almost yeah. none yeah. of our kids think they're going to do better than us. No, I, it, God, you touched on a huge subject. And I know we got there by, you know, talking about fun stuff. But the truth of the matter is, 
I, I know, you know, I've coached a lot of them in football. I've coached these kids. I was a Pop Warner coach. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there are kids that are growing up that don't think they'll have as much as we've had growing up. And the American dream was always, and you always wanted your kids to do better. Right. So today with diminished expectations, that's a huge issue. And man, if you can deal with that, peace out, because I think that's probably, I, I think one of the underlying issues in America today is well, the despair. Well, the, it is the despair and the, the poison. And I, I tell my wife this all the time, this thing right here. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> this thing is poison America. And it's, it's because of social media. It's because of the pressure we're putting on kids. So we had a whole generation of kids. I think this thing came out in 2006. I may be wrong, but about 2006, the iPhone. And ever since 2006, that entire generation of kids grew up and we didn't know how to raise them because they were controlled by that in their peer group. And they, a lot of them were destroyed by it. And that's driven a lot of the opioid epi epidemic. So we've got to figure out how to dial back on social media, how to dial back on all this and just get back to Engage with your kids is one, you know, I, I, I've said this and, you know, I've been told I'm an old fart for saying it, but I'll, I'll take that rap. But um, I had a friend of mine who said, you know, look, I just want to kick back and be a dad. I said, work will always be there. If you can raise your children and spend time with them when they're younger, you only get that once. And that's to me was the most important thing. It was what my parents did. It's what their parents did. You know, and and so my kids, <laughs> we didn't even let them have an iPhone for a while, but <laughs> but you know we still engage. With, now we use it for positive things, like you know my son will try and FaceTime me, and that's great because he's on the West Coast and I'm here. But that type of engagement with kids, I think, is is so. I I've often said that the worst thing our generation we've done a horrible job parenting. Our generation did not do a real good job. It's 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 shameful how bad we have been. Yeah. Yeah. I'll raise I, my hand. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I, I hope, I hope our kids are better. Uh, but Greg, I wish you the best of luck, man. And I sure appreciate you being here and glad to, you know, I, I can listen to Chesney. I can listen to the motor city madman. We'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a course. <laughs> yeah, well, well, and next time, Brian, you and I will we'll spend an hour talking about Blackwater there. I would love to spend an hour I will definitely have you back and we'll talk about Blackwater. That there's going to be a lot more to be said about that. So we'll talk about that later though. I appreciate that. I'll have you back if you'll come back. No, I absolutely enjoyed the All conversation. Right. Well, thank you very much. And that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a fun conversation. All right, so uh, <laughs> the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time.